Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me this week, a special guest, Derek Fields. How are you doing, Derek? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. I see you. Uh, that is a good start so far. Uh, this is a part of the podcast where I actually ask you yourself about yourself, uh, where you've been, where you're at, where you're heading. Just a little introduction to our listeners and audience out there. Certainly. Um, should I begin with any one of those questions? I'm happy to to dive in. Yeah, just talk about... Uh, Anything, uh, where you're at right now, your a little history about your, your, uh, game development. Certainly. Um, so, uh, based in Chicago, Illinois, uh, I've been here, it's going on uh, something of, of 10 years now, uh, originally from Ohio and, you know, bounced around a, a couple of States there, but, um, you know, what got me into the games industry, I, uh, my story is I, I graduated uh, with a, a background in, in 3D modeling and, and animation, uh, could not find a job for the life of me uh, within the space and decided I'm just going to start making games. Uh, and so uh, that it began the development of the studio and uh, the game that we're we're here releasing soon. Okay. And uh, for those out there that haven't read the title, uh, what game is that? That is Onsen Master. And and then the studio is uh, Waking Oni Games. Sweet. Uh, I came across, you know, um, through email and just looking at everything. Um, I think there's always like a, at least on the Western side, a fascination with Japanese culture in general, right? With anime, especially. Uh, onsen. Uh, I'm guessing you've had plenty of experiences with it over there. Uh, I I did, yeah. <laughs> did you, were you in Japan for a while? Uh, yeah. So I, I uh, funny background story. I used to work for a cosplay wig company and would uh, bounce around domestically to different anime conventions, uh, selling selling anime wigs. And so uh, that had uh, also landed me in Japan a couple of times. Um, you know, for for both uh, work and, and entertainment. So I've had the the pleasure of getting there. Uh, a number of times, and each of those uh, was an opportunity to visit uh, some onsen. Um, one special trip was a visit to Kinosaki Onsen, which is just 
uh, you know, a hot spring town essentially. And, and, you know, there's uh, an onsen across the street from another one and you can stay at a, a Rio con, you know, a certain type of hotel experience uh, and, and be able to, to hop in and out of them, you know, at your leisure, which was pretty incredible. Mm. Your, your pronunciation sounds like you speak Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a, that's, that's pretty astute. Uh, yeah. So hi, yeah. Uh, I studied a little bit of Japanese, uh, uh, I'm still, uh, studying. It's not uh, quite there yet. There's a, there's a part where, uh, you know, some of my vocabulary will, will go well for pronunciation. And then I just hit a wall on, uh, you know, some of the vocabulary, tango, uh, taksan tango, wasuremasta, I forgot a lot of vocabulary. Uh, so uh, that's where I, I'll hit. <laughs> that's pretty solid, man. Uh, like my, my wife's Japanese. I personally am, am Vietnamese. Our kids are half, obviously, but uh, way better than anything, anything I can say or do. <laughs> I, I just, I'm around it so I can tell like at least the mm. pronunciation is correct because even with me, how I say it, it's like super American onsen, right? Um, but uh, that's awesome, dude. Like, have you always had a fascination with Japanese culture like, growing up? Yeah, I did. And, you know, uh, along with games, uh, my my relationship to Japanese culture is is hand in hand with, with being a, a Black American. And so um, with Waking Oni, um, and, and kind of weirdly a, a, a meeting that I was just having this morning, uh, coincidence, but, um, growing up as a black individual and, and, you know, being born in the eighties, raised in the nineties, uh, Toonami is an experience for a lot of kids. And, um, specifically, uh, being a black individual in this country, uh, that, that experience with anime is a, a little bit different where, um, you know, I was watching shows like Dragon Ball Z and then relating to certain characters and then finding, um, that this sort of individualized experience was shared with other uh, black individuals, you know, who are similar in age. And so now I'm growing up and having conversations with folks who uh, say, for example, also coded certain characters within anime series, like Piccolo from Dragon Ball as, as being a black person, because they represented certain, you know, um, qualities or, or characteristics um, within our culture. And so um when it comes to creating games and when it comes to building a studio uh, like, like waking Oni, it's specifically to carry that conversation even further and, and not just build games that uh, yes, have an inspiration uh, from, uh, from Japan, but also specifically talk about this sort of cultural exchange between uh, black and Japanese culture, because um, among some of those shows that I grew up with, there's there's blackness there's blackness throughout it we we talk about cowboy bebop and its musicality we talk about musicality within you know very obviously samurai shampoo or afro samurai mm-hmm. um and how uh you know blackness and black culture uh, finds itself within these media and and how can we um how can i then create media that is doing the inverse you know kind of sharing this cultural exchange uh back and and so uh by that it's to uh, create games that that prioritize Black individuals within anime-inspired media. And so um, that's what leads me to create the games that we're working on now. Yeah, it's definitely something, uh, well, obviously growing up around Asian culture, like I, I noticed Black culture were in tune as well with Japanese, but also I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. And a lot of Black culture are in love with Bruce Lee as yeah. well. And it just seems like what what is the 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 attraction you feel like the mutual respect here that that seems to kind of like there's like a natural bridge between these two groups, right? 
Um, and, and so obviously I, I can't speak for, you know, an, an entire race. I can only speak from, from my own personal experiences. Um, but, you know, some of these experiences are of course shared. And uh, to your point about Bruce Lee, there is this really excellent documentary called Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the impact of, uh, of Kung Fu films, of martial arts films uh, in the Bronx specifically. Uh, and when, you know, this sort of uh, boom of those films came about, uh, a lot of the uh, people who were interviewed during that documentary, uh, you know, this created inspirations for Wu-Tang Clan. This created inspirations for uh, black exploitation, you know, fighting films and things like that, where uh, oftentimes you have a story about a hero who is going against oppression. And during the civil rights movement, <laughs> oppression is is uh, the top of the list for for black individuals and remains to be, you know, top of the list for for some of us, uh, all of us <laughs> within this country today. And so um, I, I would think, at least in my experience, you know, being an individual and growing up with uh, shonen shows and, and watching shows like Dragon Ball Z in, in the now today, uh, you know, sharing shows with my my stepson, like My Hero Academia, Naruto and, and all these other things. You still have this story about an individual who uh, has uh, either equity or or resources or power stacked against them. And then they still manage to find ways to overcome that. I think that resonates with a lot of people, uh, but I think it especially resonates with with the Black experience and why um, shown and shows uh, remain so impactful for the Black community. Um, the reason I mentioned this documentary is because I kind of look at anime as like the contemporary conversation that was being had for uh, the impact that Kung Fu films had, uh, you know, back when they first showed up. Yeah, I, I definitely can resonate with that. Um, my my favorite type of anime have always been the kind of underdog through each episode gaining abilities. Yeah, everyone didn't really believe in them, and then ending up as a hero. I mean, that's the the trope for most anime. But even yeah. in westerns movies, like people, you know, I'm a sucker for like uh, romantic comedies. Uh, Titanic, right? You know, yes. You know, it's the same kind of hero story. You didn't really think much of this guy, and then he kind of ends up being like a, you know, the main character of the story. It's it's a very familiar thing that I think most people like, but for me especially, because of anime, a lot of Bruce Lee films, uh, of all the stories and all the great entertainment that is out there, I'm always find myself attracted to that type of story in Mm -hmm. particular. Um. So let's talk about onsen, man. Uh, yeah. What was your? <laughs> was it a culture shock going over there? Because onsen, like public nudity, <laughs> is not like a very comfortable thing. Like the first time I did it, I only did it once. I was with my father-in-law, and uh. it's the first time I've ever seen, you know, <laughs> anyone really naked next to me, except for yeah. the locker room over here in the states. But there yeah. we are. We're just like. People were going there super casual because it's like a family event almost. Like best friends would go in together. Yeah. And no one's shy about it. If anything, I was the shyest one. But uh, <laughs> it's a very regular thing over there. So what right. was your experience like? Like going to Japan, but also the onsen experience? Yeah. You know, um, I, pun not intended, but I, I dove right in, uh, you know, with, <laughs> with like, uh, with, with, um, feeling comfortable in an environment like, like onsen. It, it was my first time, you know, similar to, to what you had mentioned outside of a locker room experience. First time 
um, just being, you know, publicly exposed to, to other people who are, um, who are sharing that space with you. And so, you know, I uh, respectfully kind of uh, observed what the, what the, what the pattern, the movement that yeah. the etiquette was within the environment and kind of um, did my best to, to just mimic that. So as to not, um, you know, so weirdly be uh, already a tourist, but, yeah. but really like highlight or spotlight that. Um, but I went with um, a uh, close friend of mine and, and a coworker at the time. Uh, he also is the the co-designer of Onsen Master. And uh, we, yeah, it, that was it. I think it was more awkward for him than it was for me where <laughs> I was, I was living. I was, I was loving uh, the space, the environment and, and pleasantly boiling. Um, the, as far as the, the rest of Japan, it was also, um, I don't know, it was kind of uh, a, a very liberating experience. It was uh, in a way it felt like I could uh, breathe uh, a lot more mm-hmm. with uh, when in the country there's uh, kind of an overwhelming sense of peace that uh, that I had while uh, getting an opportunity to go to places like uh, Miyajima or um, Mount Fushimi Inari and and doing those types of things. Um, you know, there's a sense of peace when getting to 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 travel. You know, outside of where you where you live, I would imagine for for any person. Um, but uh, you know, some of the some of the places that we trekked to, I think, you know, felt really special for me, uh, especially being able to carry this relationship, you know, that I had kind of grown with uh, in in regards to Japan, and then you know, kind of uh, cement that in reality. Mm-hmm. Well, you seem like a pretty tall guy. I can't tell for the webcam. The I mean, <laughs> obviously you stuck out in, in in every way, and being over there, even yeah. I stuck out because you know uh, Japan. There's not a lot of weight rooms, right? So like, uh, right. there's a lot of skinny Asians, if anything, and so like anything outside of that seems to be sticking out, right? So yeah, but like uh, everyone's super accommodating. Um, and I kind of, I think you described it best, super liberating, especially in the onsen. There is something weird about clothing. You know, I think we all like clothes. We all like to decorate ourselves and whatever and express ourselves in yeah. different ways. But it was like very liberating to just like, here I am <laughs> right. is, as, as I am. And it was kind of cool together. to yeah, <laughs> interact and nobody was laughing or snickering or anything. It was very normal. Yeah. Um, and it was weird. Uh, if you're weird, then you're not normal. It was kind uh-huh. of feeling. And it was an all day event. Like I, I thought it was like an hour but we were there uh, with my family for like eight hours. We ate, we took a break, we yeah. had a lunch break, had soba and everything. <laughs> it was, yeah, I was melting on the floor by the end of it. it <laughs> Equally experience. But um, uh, what other things like stuck out about Japanese culture? Because, you know, um, I always see them as like a meter for us uh, 10 years ahead um of where we would be right mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that's happening over there that we heard before that that's happening now right first cell phones over there um when i was hearing that oh they don't have landlines you know everyone just have their own cell phones when we were in the 90s like oh that's crazy no one has yeah. a landline but now it's like happening in the states no one really has you know a home phone or anything were you able to observe stuff like that um to kind of help with your idea of that culture and you know as you're kind of developing this game too 
If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, you mean, so as far as like um, maybe maybe tech or just contemporary lifestyle that um, that potentially stood out to me or, or, or anything within Japan, you know, the day-to-day that was like a, maybe an indication of uh, things tech or, or things to come in the States was, was I understanding that question correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Just anything that stuck out to you is like, Oh, this could be either a warning sign of things to come in the States because yeah. it seems like you kind of share uh, time here and there uh, and uh, you know, dedicating uh, you know, whole game to- towards that culture. Like yeah. what, what, what did you spotlight here that's going on uh, especially post pandemic too. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think during my, during my trip there, it, probably one of the most salient things that, that, that stuck with me was the juxtaposition of, of, uh, very, uh, for Japan, very timeless things, uh, things like, uh, temple or, or like Tori gates or, uh, shrines and, and all of these things you would find right next to, um, a, a new building uh, that's that's being uh, thrown up, or maybe there is a temple, uh, like in Kyoto, for example. Th- there's that temple that's, I believe, fairly close to the Kyoto Station. That's kind of just right in the middle of all these other buildings and stonework that's uh, going on around it, and the efforts that are made to uh, make sure that those things are kept around. Um, I think are really important. Um, Coming from Chicago, uh, you know, Chicago experiences a lot of um, gentrification and, and pushing out of its neighborhoods, uh, which displaces a lot of the, displaces a lot of the black and brown community um, in some of those neighborhoods, you know, surrounding the city um, as change comes around. And so it was observing that and observing the change and the shift of uh, very traditional or Chicago like buildings now being traded for, um, you know, these these kind of like uh, Lego block uh, condominiums or, or condo buildings that um, that you now see in a lot of areas that um, even in the five or six years that we've been in the neighborhood that we're in, uh, you did not see those before. Mm. So I, I thought about that a lot. I thought about um, the how how aesthetic um, can be juxtaposed in certain ways uh, in Japan, how you'll be taking a Shinkansen and you'll go from, uh, you know, something like a city to uh, somewhere else uh, that is much more rural and, and watching these things happen so quickly uh, on a Shinkansen. Um, This, this doesn't inform me if, if, if Japan is, you know, at all facing the same sorts of, um, you know, you know, uh, just or not just position, but um, uh, gentrifications or or uh, battle with uh, mod- modernity and, and and changes within its environment. I don't know that information, but um, 
at least to me with the the temples that were there, the shrines that you would see uh, in places like Kyoto and Tokyo, it it conveyed a sense of care or at least a deliberate placement of um, certain uh, agricultural changes uh, within the city uh, while choosing to maintain uh, important monuments like shrines and things like that. Um, I would love for that same level of uh, of, of preservation to be carried in certain cities, um, you know, like Chicago, you know, we have like old theaters and things like that. Not all of those old theaters are going to uh, have the same level of like, no, we need to keep this or no, let's like at least try to preserve some, some version of its facade while, you know, uh, modernizing it in some kind of way. So yeah, you know, that was the main one that, that stuck out to me. And, and I kind of, um, brought back, I think. Yeah. I mean, the preservation of history, and holding on tradition is definitely something like even there, they're just struggling it, but at least they're making an effort to kind of uh, hold on to those things that the older culture, because mm-hmm. the younger generation over there, from what I'm hearing are, are starting to not, they're, they're separating from that mindset, mm-hmm. right? It's not being passed on as much, but because I think overall the country is so clean, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one thing I noticed just stepping out of the airport. It's like everything is yeah. so clean. <laughs> There's like 10 recycle bins and one is designated to a very specific yeah. thing everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're all and, about, you know, pre- uh, presence and, and cleanliness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, coming from Chicago trains, you know, cause we can, right. we can take the CTA straight into the airport and and so it, it can have a commute uh that is wildly different you yeah. know the cta here will occasionally smell like pee uh yeah, yeah. And, and it's like the hint of your going, yeah <laughs> yeah you know so to do that and then arrive and, and take you know uh the the yamanote line or, or you know uh something like that was uh pretty pretty great um and to your point you know with with trash and making sure that cleanliness is maintained um something that stuck out to me was, you know, near the vending machines are probably the only times that you would see a trash can. It's usually attached to the vending machine, but there wasn't any other public trash anywhere else because it was just implied like, Hey, take that with you. Yeah. It's uh, it's really cool. I mean, those little differences and the attention to detail, kind of like what you were saying, even if the old culture is trying to hold on to it, um, just anybody that is at least, holding on to is good because that carries on because if you can take a public Mm -hmm. transportation, which their system is freaking awesome, uh, you can go anywhere and basically be able to take your whole family and not worry about smelling urine all day. (laughs) (laughs) Because I, you know, I, we, I worked in LA, I worked in San Francisco. I took public transportation to work for commute all the time. And it is, uh, an experience every time is the best way I can yep. put it, right? And so to go to Japan and uh, I, I think of maybe a few other countries are like this too, where their public transportation is, they see it as a foundation of how their society functions, you know, and mm. actually upholds that uh, for cleansiness and safety or whatever. It, it, it just, I don't know, it just, it does elevate your day, you know, elevate the person uh, the individual and therefore hopefully the society functions a little better just a little stuff mm-hmm. like that that happens every day i think does amount to something better right 
at least as a tourist, that was nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, oh, it's <laughs> an actual vacation. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would love to kind of dive into uh, the actual game now, Onsen Master. Right? Let's do it. So, um, what, what's the best way to describe it, right? I mean, you could have used any other setting for this type of management type of game, right? But Onsen in particular, what stuck out to you about the Onsen out of all the other choices? Yeah. Um, so Onsen Master is uh, quickly described as a, a, a hot spring strategy game about healing. Um, and, you know, the reason that uh, in Onsen was selected, uh, you know, for the story both comes from uh, a, a deep love and admiration for the Ghibli film Spirited Away, but also nice. uh, the the properties or, or um, you know, um, idea of healing and, and restorement uh, that is associated with being in an onsen. And so, um, yeah, you're right. As far as like a setting goes, it could have been a restaurant. It could have been Greek baths. It could have been um, all of these things. But, uh, you know, that intersection of, of Spirited Away and, and Hot Spring is probably where it, it becomes most obvious. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, when you first kind of, uh, this is my favorite question, when, when, as you were planning it and you were kind of um, getting your budget together or whatever, like, how long did you originally plan that the game would ship to the reality of when it did ship? Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is, you know, um, uh, games, any game being created is a miracle. Uh, yeah. That was said to me uh, by another uh, friend and colleague. Um, and that remains absolutely true. Uh, you know, own semester had uh, a moderate or I should say a modest success on Kickstarter. We raised a, a really small budget, which allowed us to um, polish off our prototype and acquire our, our publisher, Whitethorn Games. And so uh, working with them has uh, allowed us to, you know, bring on a contract team uh, and help, you know, push this game across the finish line. Even with all that considered, uh, we were all working uh, part time and, you know, are maintaining other lives uh, outside of creating games. Mm-hmm. And and so with that considered and with, you know, the changes that happen within our life, uh, I now have a, a seven month old and I had uh, in a, yeah. in a 14 year old stepson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have heard the, the seven month old's contributions a moment ago. Mm-hmm. But um, that uh, it f- kept the game in development for like it was like five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if on semester was able to receive the funding uh, that, you know, that we are now capable of being able to uh, pitch for and, and leverage resources to uh, a game like that should only take like two years to, to make two and a half years, ideally, you know, well with COVID too, right? I mean, I bet that, yeah, that, that too. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, that's a whole time warp. I completely forgot about, you know, the, yeah. the gap of, of that impact and that, that had a huge impact on both, you know, our team and the, the publisher too. Everybody got, got struck by that one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like with indie developers, I mean, when I talk to, to, to you guys, you know, um, you guys are kind of used to working remote, so the impact isn't as crazy as like these bigger developers that are used to going in the office and not liking the office. And I, I honestly say like indie developers are a little, actually more disciplined because they've been trained to kind of mm-hmm. operate on on on, uh, on this type of schedule. And uh, if anything, I, I'm still rooting. And and putting my bets on you guys kind of coming out of it okay uh, yeah. because of that very same reason. Uh, 
these, I don't know if you are talking to your colleagues about uh, the kind of like a little fallout that's happening right now, but like bigger companies are really struggling just trying Uh to figure this out still. Um, And, um, you know, if anything, they're trying to get everyone back in, but you know, it's, it's, by by it sounds like most of what you're going through is like you know life events right and right. Uh, uh the development of a game is hard itself right it's I mean, just figuring out everything uh, especially if you're a small team but um the unpredictably uh unpredictable nature of life uh does hit us in funny ways and uh in very few you know, it's an accomplishment. Like you said, it's a miracle just to finish the, making the game. Uh, I'm sure there were high and low points during this whole development, mm-hmm. right? Some pauses and unpausing. Um, what was your best advice to yourself to kind of keep things going? Uh, is it daily habits or just measures you put in place in case emergencies? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it there, I guess it's uh, best characterized uh, in, in two different ways. Um, one component was, uh, you know, really, really, really wanting, and I still want this, uh, you know, there to be uh, more games that just represent the diverse audience mm-hmm. that, that play them, uh, you know, playing out. And that um, oftentimes uh, kind of, uh, and I can kind of maybe exemplify it by a small, um, you know, um, not, not story, but, but, uh, sort of characterize it in a way, but, uh, that, that has always brought that motivation comes together every single time I, I see another game release or, you know, a myriad of games being shared, um, through a large event. And then just still, you know, not only wanting to see myself, but just to see a broader range of, of protagonists and, um, hair textures and characters to be able to select from when I don't see those things represented, uh, I would say my, my motivator then just becomes vengeance. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, if this isn't going to be done, then, then I need to do it. Uh, and so, um, <laughs> oftentimes I will uh, tell people my, my main fuel is, is revenge. And, uh, rather that's against, uh, people who, who don't know that, <laughs> that I'm, uh, vengeful for, for creating games that, um, that, that better represent our community or not. Um, then, you know, I, I'm still out here kind of doing it anyway. So, um, that, that's really like, honestly, that's what keeps me going. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it, it fuels me to the next idea where I'm like, damn, you know, we still don't have a game that looks like this. So, uh, <laughs> let's, let's put it together. Yeah. It's so true. Uh, I was talking to my friend Ray and he was just on this last episode actually. And he was complaining about <laughs> how whenever he makes his own avatar there's very little options for black people and yeah. he was complaining there's only one hairstyle all the time. Was always always like one hairstyle i was like i swear that's a meme bro cornrows <laughs> <laughs> as a joke i was like what else is there ray is like shut up man so, <laughs> it's 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 true i mean it's uh you know i get the benefit because there's a the whole japanese culture of games of Asian characters, sure. But yeah. like in Western games, it's just not, right? There's never an Asian lead character. You I mean the last one yeah. I remember is Sleeping Dogs. You know, it was kind of like a John Woo type of uh, mm-hmm. open world game. Um, it's obviously, you know, the Asians are having a better time than you guys. But like 
the Ghost of Shishima was made by Sucker Punch, I think. That's right. right? And that got some backlash uh, for whatever reason. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts about that? I think like they did a pretty damn good. It's a weird, iffy type of thing. It's like it's a Western developer making a samurai game. Yeah, and it's a damn good samurai game. And some samurai, uh, some Japanese developers actually gave them credits. Like they made a better samurai game than some of our developers. Yeah. Um. So when when you see like things like that, maybe they had great consultants and everything. Like it is kind of like a a a line there where I think right. it's okay, Absolutely. but some people I can see why people can be offended by that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I, I, you know, I, I often think of it like a a balance. You know, we, we're constantly, you know, uh, being, um, we're constantly consuming media that, that is going to inspire us. And and it's always coming from, from different cultures, uh, from different, um, settings, rather, you know, based in reality or fantasy, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, when that media hits us, we, we immediately want to, or not immediately, but some of us want to, to, to take part in that, to, to be able to contribute to it in some kind of way to say, I love this so much. You know, this is just my, my, um, my letter to that. Um, I understand that. And, um, you know, I, but I also think that there's, um, a balance or a way to do that, that feels meaningful, a way that doesn't feel like it's, uh, taking away from the content that you, uh, that you care deeply about and where that territory starts to look gray or, or, not have really one answer for, I think comes or starts to become a little bit more indicative uh, by the amount of work or research that went into a certain uh, game, a game like ghost of Tsushima, like sucker punch, put the work in. Uh, There's there's no denying like this, this admiration for Akira Kurosawa films um, and, and the extent that went into that uh, as well as just the gameplay and the story that's placed in there. It has, it has really great narrative gameplay. You know, it is uh, absolutely a great game. Um, When we are, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly uh, nuance to be able to critique um, certain uh, historical accuracies or, uh, you know, misrepresentations. And I think those types of things happen when, um, or let me back up and say those types of risks are increased when you are a studio that is not of that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, they did uh, consult with uh, Japanese developers and, and, um, uh, it, I, I don't know what to what extent as far as like history, but I know uh, its story does have, you know, some sort of uh, historical significance. Um, and I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, a game like Ghost of Tsushima, if that were in anybody's hands, uh, Japanese, um, the background of uh, developers that is at Sucker Punch or space that we are always going to land the mark a hundred percent perfectly. Um, you know, Japanese creators also brought, uh, team ninja specifically created Neo and, you know, the representations of William and, and, uh, other, uh, characters like, uh, Yasuke and, and, you know, just the, the Dutch story that is, um, presented with, uh, its initial, uh, um, telling of that is, you know, it, I mean, obviously that game's like very high fantasy. And so the story of that is, is stretched to its benefit, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I think any studio is, is going to, uh, not hit the mark a hundred percent accurate, accurately, you know, unless you are endeavoring to make a historically accurate game. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, just look at all the Final Fantasy movies. I mean, uh, games. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, uh, my friend Larry always had the problem with the um, the black uh, character in that one. Uh, Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII, yeah. The uh, yeah. What's his name again? I forgot. Barrett. Barrett, Barrett yeah. Barrett. <laughs> Barrett yeah. is kind of like the, the one in Naruto, right? It's just like this. They definitely have a prototype for for uh, when using black characters in anime. And, and yeah. It's, it's gotten better, but like it's still kind of like the same issue. And you think of Barrett and, you know, the influence of uh, American media in Japan. Yeah. And uh, obviously that's where they're getting it from. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was that was the A team. Somebody saw Mr. Yeah. T. And yeah. I was like, that's, you know, how that, it, that's, that's clear. How it is. But, so it goes both ways. It goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Onsen, with five year development. Right. So with your ups and downs. And I'm guessing you had to learn a lot of roles on the job, right? That's um, right. Your your background was in 3D, and mm-hmm. uh, were you handling, or was your partner handling the game design? Like, what was the split uh, uh, work here? What were you mostly kind of hands-on on? Yeah, originally, uh, it was just the three of us, and so it was me, uh, you know, the friend that I spoke of, Tim, and then uh, eventually uh, bringing on a programmer, uh, Leo, and, and so the three of us uh, put together, you know, the the first the first main stage that that is the game and, and the game mechanics that uh, were most important to it. Uh, my role consisted of everything that wasn't programming, and so that was um, the character design, the three D modeling, animation, game design. Uh, Tim was game design and producing, and so uh, we you know we balanced the the many hats as best as we could, but. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the division of labor. Um, it was then after, you know, I mentioned Whitethorn, uh, you know, partnering with us for uh, the remaining of the development. And that's where, you know, I got to take some of those hats like um, animation and, and uh, be able to bring on another team member for that. Um, the same goes for some of the roles like UI, UX and, mm-hmm. and so on. Like, uh, you know, the appetite for these type of games, I feel have been increasing. Um People are just, they just want to have a good time. I think, uh, if anything, if you look at the summer festival of games where we kind of get the preview, you know, what the next year or two are, it feels like mm-hmm. it is returning to more simpler type of games, right? Mm-hmm. For a long time, I think a good stretch before the pandemic and especially during the pandemic, there was a lot of live service type of games, right? Yeah. But yeah. what I saw was, uh, a lot of single player game, a lot of remakes, but a lot of single player games, singular campaign games. Um, people just want to follow story, want to just do this thing without, you know, getting too involved. Uh, are you kind of seeing this pattern? I, I I know that you made this game right before all this stuff was happening, uh, making yeah. a game truly to what you want to make and play. But were you able to kind of pick up on a lot of these things as as the years went by? Did you change the original design based on kind of like where you saw the trends were? Or uh, did you add anything to it um, just reflecting off of what the the what everybody was doing? You know, uh, the only thing that was added to the game uh, that kind of reflected maybe the, the media of the time um, 
came a little bit from uh, from from Souls like series from 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 software's Dark Souls and, mm-hmm. and Sekiro and, and all these other titles. The uh, the way that is represented is uh, it really uh, just a small thing. Um, so we have bosses in the game uh, that will happen uh, within the third set or the the, the third part of each stage uh, that you that you visit. Um, and uh, to borrow a little bit of inspiration, we just did a health bar that is very similar looking to um, to a Dark Souls game. And by similar, I just mean it is at the center. It is very low and thin. And we have the boss's name, you know, uh, you know, right above the health bar. Uh, but it is embedded into the um, the story. Um, I think in some of the, the later changes that happen within uh, the art direction in the game, it's probably uh, more represented in, uh, mm-hmm. in some of that stuff that you'll see. But uh, yeah, I, that was honestly the only thing, um, you know, I think when it comes to being an indie developer, you know, they, as, as a space, there's always that sort of ability to be um, as a part of the movement or not as avant-garde as you want to and have that luxury because there's going to be um, an audience that is interested in, in, in that sort of um, change up. And so uh, with own semester, you know, uh, we didn't do much else that, that, uh, that represented, you know, any other movements. It was like, we like overcooked, we like diner dash. So, yeah. uh, yeah. You love Nintendo. It definitely has the Nintendo yeah. art style down. Yeah. Um, or, or those, those two games in particular, um, I feel like I, I didn't get, I noticed those games until like basically the Wii was coming out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, there was so much interaction going on, uh, with the unique control scheme that they got with the Wii yeah. motion controls. Um, and they were addicting as hell. I mean, were aside from those inspiration, were there other, uh, inspiration that you guys, uh, you in particular, uh, was aspiring to? Yeah. Um, and that was to, uh, keep gameplay kind of, uh, easy to learn, uh, moderately complex to, to master. Uh, I really valued, um, you, and I'm glad you brought up Nintendo because I really value, uh, a lot of the games, you know, like from Mario to, I don't know, Splatoon or something like that. All of them carry an aesthetic that's, um, very family friendly and then mechanics that are, uh, generally approachable. But if you, really, really want to get good at the game, you know, it takes a little bit more time or a concerted effort to understand them. Um, that, that, that was kind of a, certainly an inspiration that we carried into Onsen and, and think of those, uh, games like Mario and so on as, you know, uh, very high achieving examples of, of how you can deliver uh, gameplay to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like the talking about landscape and, and changes, you know, there's, there's like three camps, right? Sony, Microsoft, and, and Nintendo. Like yeah. Sony, Microsoft is buying everybody, right? Yeah. And we were talking about preserving history as much as we can. Like I'm still afraid that Nintendo's going to be bought out by one of those guys. Right. Um, and you know, at first they're going to say there's no change, but you know, with everything, there's always change. Right. Um, and Nintendo's very unique in their way that they're not really a competitor to those other two. They're kind of marching to their own tune and i think with people like us who kind of grew up in the 80s uh still have a lot of affinity with nintendo Mm. i mean i do see like younger generation liking the switch um because they're killing it with the switch yeah but these type of games in particular i do feel that our generation plays it more 
than let's say my 10 year old. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just a, maybe just a general, well, my, my very specific observation, right? Um, how, how are you feeling with like the, those type of uh, gameplay experiences um, when it turns to like age group, right? Are you seeing like a shift here? You know, you, you say you have, uh, well, the one kid's too young. Um, how old is your older one? Your stepson's 14. I, he's, he's, yeah, he just turned 14. So, um, and I've, I've been with him since he was six. So I, I've, to what you're talking about, I've seen, you know, uh, that sort of shift of, of gameplay experiences, that shift of exposure, you know, kind of in that prime age of when they're, you know, really starting to take in games and understand them and, and develop an interest to, you know, now, you know, being a teenager and having very specific uh, you know, interests within certain genre. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer your question, you know, one of the things that uh, stood out to me were games like games like Minecraft and Roblox yeah. and uh, later Fortnite became um, really highly valued around himself and his friends. And this is, uh, it was primarily because of the user generated content mm-hmm. uh, that was available in these games. But then also it was absolutely uh, absolutely impacted and in, in, in sort of uh, thrusted into the focus because of the pandemic as well, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of those games became environments that could become secondary for social gatherings and yes. yeah. doing things specific with, with your friends. Um, the, when I ask him uh, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll poke his friend's brain all the time about the, the type of games that they care about. And they are the, the most popular I would say the more popular commercial games that yeah. uh, that you would expect a young boy to play. And it, it, it's honestly very stereotyped, you know, yeah. even though I try to suggest, you know, like, Hey, what about this? Like, you know, cool single player game. And, you know, he'll, he'll say that something and said like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll watch you play, but I don't think I want to play it. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. um, so I'll ask like, okay, well, you know, like what are the games that you care about and why? And so he likes, he likes Fortnite. He likes rainbow six siege. He likes, um, Forza Motorsport. He likes, uh, you know, all these other titles and and the why being, um, you know, because I get to play with my friends and uh, because, you know, they're, uh, you know, building these fun experiences within Fortnite or we'll try these goofy things that are specific to uh, any of those games. Uh, I think the social relationship um, in games is probably the most prevalent thing that I notice in um growing generations where uh, say for y- y- you and me, we grew up with single player games and the connectivity didn't come around until uh, like PlayStation yeah. two. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Pay for it. It's like, I've had, yeah. I it's had like Final Fantasy zero for and free. SOCOM. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got to buy this thing. Yeah. Oh, and the, yeah. the network adapter and yeah, it was complicated. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was lugging Xboxes and TVs to play Halo and, and all of that stuff. Um, but I think where uh, I think where games are going, or I, I would say where games are um, at, at least thriving currently, um, still hovers around that social experience. And I think for for generations that are upcoming, uh, like your kid and mine, um, you know that will still be uh, a valued part of the relationship in the in the games or a value part in the relationship that they develop with games is, uh, you know, can I do this with my friends? Um, can I make my own stuff? Uh, can I customize my character? Those, that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it obviously has a place it's, it's cool. Right. Um, 
to see how online social interaction is so easy now for basically every game that they want to play. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like like probably you, I grew up with Onimusha. I grew up with yeah. Spyro the Dragon. I grew up with Crash. I played everything uh, single mm-hmm. player. Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasies, yeah. all of them. There's like a... Sp- I don't know. It, it wires your brain differently than these first-person yep. shooters. Even with Roblox, if you're crafting something cool, it's kind of better. But like, you know, being able to walk through a story and kind of be fed the same type of emotions your main character is being fed, how you supposed to be feeling at this moment as we're kind of unraveling this this mm-hmm. narrative. Like, that's that's a huge part of I think of at least creatively made us who we are, right? How we right. want to construct an experience. And, you know, my, my kid's 11, he, you know, he doesn't respect what I do, but he plays it all the time. Right? He's like, yeah, you're yeah. Good, whatever. Right. <laughs> but if he wants to be a game developer, at least creatively, I don't think his brain is wired maybe for better, or for worse, the same way to be able to craft an experience in, in, in that way. And maybe, that's why I'm surprised to see so much single player being announced over Summerfest, mm. so many remakes. Because I I like preserving that part of the game industry, I feel is pretty important, right? I don't want to yeah. wait till Netflix figure out this interactive thing that they're trying to do, right? Where you're just it's not the <laughs> same, dude. It's not like, yeah. like clicking next, you know, scenario. That's not the same. Um yeah. but just based on how everything's going, not even just the storytelling, like games like yours. Um, I think it's so important, um, you know, because I grew up with strategy games too, like uh, not XCOM, but I played Command and Conquered a lot. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. RTS, uh, those type of games. And that is another type of experience. Uh, it's like chess, basically, right? Yeah. And, uh, no, no, no kids like that right now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's I, true. <laughs> I, I whipped out my PlayStation one because I kept all like, this is, they're in suitcases, right? But these are all yeah. the games that made me who I am. And I showed it to him and I even got like a legacy PlayStation one so that you can actually play it. No interest. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, you yep. should play this game. This game like was a big part of my teenage years. It's like, oh, whatever. It's like Final <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. I mean, we, yeah. we want so we we do. We want so badly to uh to impart uh the the experiences uh because because single player experiences for us, uh the shared experience was being able to, you know, uh tell the impact that the story had on you with mm-hmm. with another friend, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Nine, and then bumping into another you know, a kid who, who also, you know, had that boss battle experience. And so I tried the same thing. You know, one of my favorite games is uh, Tenchu on PlayStation yeah. 2. Oh, I love Tenchu. Like, yep. God, the game's incredible. Yeah. And I was, I was wanting so badly to uh, relay that sense of, of its, uh, of its gameplay to, to uh, my, my stepkid. And it, it didn't resonate. You know, it was the same thing. I was, eh, no, I'll, I'll watch you play that. But, you know, I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, you asked a question that was like, you know, I wonder if, uh, you know, the, the types of games or maybe, uh, these single player games are, are at all at risk by, uh, the, the type of media or gameplay experiences that younger audiences are, are preferential to. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer to that is, is no, I think both of those, um, 
that we're always going to have uh, new kind of genre defining uh, games, gameplay experiences and spaces. But I think it just adds to uh, the the breadth of games and, and game experiences that people enjoy consuming because, um, you know, we still see the emergence of new RTS games and then the community of individuals that enjoy them. Um, and I think, you know, in some kind of way, there's always going to be uh, a group who does, you know, passionately care about those genres, you know, and there's always going to be groups who, you know, care more about uh, battle royales. Um, I think what makes it maybe feel like, you know, ah, you know, is it, will this at all be, you know, kind of the end of the single player experience It's just the, the genres for like these types of user generated content, these conversations that hover around creating metaverse experiences within like Fortnite and things like that. Um, it's just so salient. It's so salient and burgeoning that we hear about it everywhere. And we see other companies that have the resources to um, dive in and explore that very, very high right now. Um, I think if we, if we go back to, you know, like before, uh, before PUBG and, and all that stuff. Like right now it's like what BRs souls like, yeah. And you know, those are the genres that we think about. Um, but it it was very different. It was very different 10 years ago and it was very different before, you know, battle royale games. I think, uh, another, another one that was MOBAs, MOBAs were were really salient, you know, around uh, when I was in university. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, kind of uh, circling back, I think it's, it's going to present new stuff. I think there are a lot of studios uh, that have the the resources to be able to explore and then pour uh, pour so much marketing into it that we we see it all the time and it and it creates um, you know like a perceived value around uh, this is the game that everybody wants to play. But I think generations like your ten year old and my fourteen year old are going to um, they're going to take those experiences and they're, and they're going to redefine what uh, what type of games they want to play. Yeah. And they, they'll, they'll be the, you know, the next developers and we'll, we'll see something totally different. It'll be, it'll be, uh, <laughs> it, it might just be like, yeah, I was, about to, <laughs> I was just about to say PlayStation home just comes back and, and, you know, uh, we're like, what are you doing? And like, I don't know, I'm just hanging out in the, my digital living room with my friends and we're, we are watching Netflix, uh, <laughs> and that's it. You know, uh, that's that might be what yeah. they what they care about. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm just waiting. There probably is a meme video out there comparing PlayStation Home to, I guess, Horizon, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you know, Sony like probably hurt. You know, crying over the fact that it looks worse. <laughs> like, right? Like I try. It's like Meta, like. They're trying to be Nintendo, but not really. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. going with the stylized, which is a smart decision. But it's like this is made by corporate overlords, man. The, this yeah. type of game, it's the yeah. like whenever I I, I tease this a lot. We have these roundtable, and with uh, when I talk to Ray, it just looks like you know when you're watching a movie and suddenly a game is popping up in the background, the kids playing it, and it's made by like non-developers, right? It just looks <laughs> obviously bad. Yeah. And it just looks like that for Horizon. It's just people around the cable <laughs> chatting it up. It's like nobody wants to do this. It's not fun. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. It's a game console, but you're trying your best not to promote games, right? Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, I, I love the idea of Metaverse. I like probably you and many game developers or gamers 
look at Ready Player One and we mm. don't look at the Dysotopia or like Doomsday. We look like, oh, that's a cool game. I would, I would love to be right. <laughs> like, that's the message right. I got from that. I was like, I would well, love let me to try be a part of this. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think that's part of our future still, but we are in a, I do feel like we're in a stumbling block because, um, you know, it's going to take a while to get there. And yeah. probably you're right. It will probably take this next generation to figure that out because I feel like our generation isn't figuring that part out. We don't, we didn't yeah. grow up around where it's YouTube and social games where we're able to kind of reimagine it to mm-hmm. make a metaverse work because the efforts that I'm seeing right now, I feel like it's taking a step back. It's like, guys, it's an RPG, right? That's what the metaverse is. Yeah. Yeah. We did wow like twenty years ago. Like, why is this? Why is this worse than wow? Yeah, we had, we have we have we have wow. We had Second Life. We had what's going you know, on? This these conversations have yeah. been here. Yeah. So I do look at that, and I am worried. Like, what's going on? And it's just like we're we're aging out, I guess. Um, yeah. Or something. Our developers are aging out. Just not doing it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um. Yeah, you know, if there if there's like a piece of advice that I would give to somebody is is listen to the kids. They're the the they're going to indicate you know what uh, what the next uh, market of of entertainment will be uh, because because they are they are taking in the things that you know have been created by us and just like every other you know cycle of of art movements to historical movements you, they they always end up being you know kind of an antithesis to to its to its predecessor uh you know uh, something that that took that experience and said well now i want to now i want to become this out of it and 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 become it becomes the answer to it and that's how we you know kind of iterate forward on uh, on art, on technology, on, on a lot of things. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's not up to, uh, people older than me, uh, to decide what the metaverse is going to be. Uh, they're going to keep trying these things and they're going to throw these darts at the dartboard. And the one that lands is the one that the kids go, I, give me that one. Yeah. And actually, nah, I'll just work on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Fix just it. move over, old man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see it happen and it'll, it'll come and it'll hit us the way that, um, you know, um, the way that Fortnite hit the, you know, the, 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 the gamers that, yeah. you know, are, are younger than me. It was, we didn't know that that was going to be what everybody wanted to play. Yeah. Epic didn't know that, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, they saw it in PUBG. They know something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. 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 <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not saying that they're just operating with zero market research, but you know, it was, it was, uh, to see it represented the way that it is now, yeah. uh, you know, and, and definitely, and that, yeah. Stepped up. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. It's going to be the darkest mark in history. Like nobody's talking about it. But I'll say it over and over again. I mean, that story, <laughs> how they kind of ripped off PUBG blatantly. Yep. Yeah. Um, is the best bet they've made. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, risk assessment uh, that they ever had <laughs> for like, yep. oh, they might sue us, but it's okay. We'll make multiple billions of dollars. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Right. And but then, no and, then took, yeah. and then they took social media. We had this movement of like, okay, so we ripped off social media like, 
uh, they're in the room and they said, what else do the kids like? And they're like, yeah, yeah, give yeah. them the Instagram or give them the TikTok dance moves. Yeah, and, that's, and so uh, we saw the emotes, you know, or not emotes, but we saw the dance moves, uh, you know, show up in, in Fortnite and people and like, all these dancers on. are mad. It's like, mm-hmm. I think not it feel like finally they cooled off. It's like, all right, maybe we shouldn't just keep copying what's hot right now because <laughs> people are catching on that we keep, uh, <laughs> we keep yeah. we're, we're like Facebook, we're buying things uh, or, or just taking things from the smaller developers now yep but uh all right man well i mean we're actually at the hour mark i'm super happy to talk to you man it was great kind of hearing your experience um onsen master uh tell the good people out there this is the part where i shut up uh tell the good people out there how to find it how to get it right now yeah so on semester is coming to pc and console uh you can wishlist it on steam right now and if you want to follow more about uh the game and and things to follow i would recommend going to waking oni games uh that's the at handle for twitter all right perfect dude man it's uh your pro it was a pleasure uh to have you on uh maybe one day we'll go on some together maybe that's too forward uh, i don't know how yeah. they do it no there. please let's <laughs> yes Ikimashou, right. that would be great. <laughs> All right, there we go. All right, let's put that date on the board. Uh, oh, as always, guys, it was great. Uh, thank you for everyone that is listening. As always, all the information will be in the description links below. And have a good one.